Well, listeners, in case you didn't get enough sports today, here's an ad break that'll tell you how to watch even more sports. YouTube is the new home of NFL Sunday Ticket. And if you sign up now, you'll get our lowest full season price of the year. Just go to youtube.com slash presale to get $100 off NFL Sunday Ticket. Watch your favorite team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games, exclusively on YouTube and YouTube TV. All right, enough about sports. Go get more sports. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends June 6th. No refunds. We're back. Love this song. When the Canucks win, you win. The PP1 podcast proudly presents another post-game Canucks win recap. Boys, the Canucks, they're still standing. They tied the series up 1-1 against the Vegas Golden Knights. The team that has Ryan Reeves. Uber Pest, who didn't factor in at all in this game whatsoever. Let's do the quick round table. Brady, what did you think of game two? Man, the Canucks actually have a chance in this series. Um, and they have more than a chance. They showed that they can compete with the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, and they, they, you know, they were heavily outshot at one point, but, and totally outplayed in the second period, but they showed a ton of energy. They matched speed with speed. The star players stepped up. Everything aligned for Vancouver tonight. And, you know, this series could be, could be potentially, like, one heck of a series to watch. So I'm, I'm jacked already for Game 3. Ted, you're outside. You're enjoying the peacefulness after a big mm-hmm. win. You don't have to be inside. You get to be one with your thoughts. How are you feeling? Like, what, what are your thoughts about this one? Man, life comes at you fast. No kidding. <laughs> there's uh yeah there's just a ton in this game right i mean while we're hoping for this team is just obviously to to be here and compete and we didn't want to watch a bunch of you know five nothing drubbings right so yeah you know adjustments i think were probably the the key factor here like brady said matching speed with speed but i mean this team has shown an ability to to rope-a-dope almost if we're going to use a boxing term right to to sort of counter punch and, and to just capitalize when you have chances just like they do on the power play. They have an advantage on the power play. They have an advantage of face-offs. So take advantage of possessions that you can get and score when you get your opportunities. And they definitely, they definitely quitted themselves tonight. It was, it was, it was pretty fun to watch. So um, yeah, man, I'm here for this. I'm here. I think the one big thing that we discussed um, last night and probably I, I would say every series, as I was saying, like, you see the first game, they had one day to prepare for this one, right? Like one, one mm-hmm. day to prepare for game one and they get absolutely owned. The Canucks, you know, were, you know, basically just beat out of the building. Ryan Reeves ended up being the big story, which he absolutely shouldn't have been, but they adjust. They now knew what they needed to do for game two. You know, Travis Green clearly had a plan and executed. I mean, having to fully come back and we'll talk about him in a second was huge, but they just looked confident. They looked like they got back to playing their game, and their game is one games. Their game is scoring goals. Their game is speed. Um, not you know, not Ferrari speed, but they're they're quick on pucks. They were smart plays, and again, getting a, a huge addition of Tyler Toffoli 
um, you know, just, just amplify what was going on. But before we get into everything, I do want to talk about Ryan Reeves. I found he was a really big part of this. I'm, I'm just kidding. We don't need to talk about Ryan Reeves. He did not factor <laughs> in whatsoever in this game, and that's so awesome that he's now a non-story. So, guys, um, Toffoli's back. Toffoli! Toffoli! Nine seconds into that. his first shift. What does he do? He gets a goal. And he had a few assists, if I'm not mistaken, as well. Um, Ted, what are, what did you love about Tyler Toffoli tonight? Well, first off, I was just, I felt like he just really slacked off in the back half of the game. I can't believe he wasn't involved in those other two goals. (laughs) (laughs) No, man, like what a, what a shot in the arm. Hey, like, I think, uh, obviously he's been chomping at the bit to get in. We don't even know how healthy he is at this point. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, he doesn't have to get by with being physical. He wasn't physical Tyler to that we're used to. He's this little chippy winger. Right. Um, but to watch him manage plays down low, I mean, just like we talk about Brock so often, when it when a puck goes to him, the play doesn't die. And it has a habit of doing that when it's Louis that's there, somehow fitting into the top six, even though he does some other things really well uh, from a defensive standpoint. But yeah, man, he was Johnny on the spot nine seconds in. Like, how often does that happen? So uh, I think there's confidence to know that you can get to a guy like Tyler DeFoley down low, who really makes a living off of dishing the puck and scoring goals from that area. Uh, you know, and he was an impact player tonight. I mean, that's exactly what they traded for when they gave up a second round pick to get their hands on a guy with, you know, almost 60 games worth of playoff experience. Uh, and he has to be a leader on the squad. And that's what they're looking for him to do. Brady, were you surprised that they had PD um, on that line with the Foley and Pearson? Like just as far as that specific line, did that surprise you that maybe they didn't go with the lotto line instead? And they, do, what, what do you think was Green's thought on that one? I, I personally loved it. I, I was surprised they haven't done it earlier, um, but also just putting, to, to, not having Pedersen in the middle, but just putting Pearson and Toffoli back together is great. But having Pedersen as well just makes it all that much better. And I think he kind of wanted to keep the size of uh, Miller and Bo together on the second line. I mean, they're they're a good uh, four-checking line. Uh, I think they make up a lot together for you know lo- the loss of Louis Erickson tonight. Uh, defensively anyways. Um, but yeah, I absolutely loved the game of Tyler Toffoli. The whole line was electric tonight. Um, and Tyler Toffoli is just proving to be like, as much as I like having Besser on the top line and the top unit power play, he's just proving to be that much better than Besser. Um, he seems to always be in the right position and he's just been the perfect acquisition for the team. Uh, in 12 games, he's got seven goals, uh, 13 points, uh, one game winning goal and a plus three rating. Um, and tonight, you know, he gets a goal nine seconds into the game, uh, followed up by a primary assist on the Bo Horvat power play goal right down low. And um, after that, you know, he had a really nice stretch pass to Patterson on the breakaway. He just couldn't put it away. So blown away by Toffoli's performance. But, you know, nothing that we haven't seen from him already. He's just been, like I said, the perfect fit for us. I kind of like Ryan, how did you feel about it, man? Did you did you like that 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 move or what? I it, it was surprising to see him, and maybe it wasn't a whole lot surprising, but to see him get maybe top line billing as far as what we'll deem a top line. But I kind of liked how that was set up because, Brady, you made a great point about Bo being with uh, Miller and Besser. I really like that line. It basically proves that the Canucks have two solid lines of scoring that not only score goals, but they win faceoffs. They're dirty down in the, you know, down in the corners, but they're creative as well. Like you've got 
two unique lines. And if they're not working, you can mix those lines up and all of a sudden Toffoli and Pearson can be with Bo potentially, or maybe you play it around and have Miller on some sort of formation. Like those six guys, you can almost interchange in any sort of uh, mixture. And I think you've got something creative depending on how the game needs to be played that night. But tonight I really, really did like, uh, I mean, Again, a, a, an early goal in a game like this, especially against this team, after the game they played, it was it was like the roof was going to come off after one goal. And then, you know, when they go up 2 nothing, all of a sudden you're thinking, okay, they, it was, it almost had the feeling like if they did go up 3 nothing, you know, a little bit later, like this game was going to be totally out of hand. But the Canucks really just owned it from not quite from start to finish, but they look like the more confident team. I was, I'll make a point a little bit later, but you know what? I'm going to do it right now. Was there a player on Vegas tonight? And I'll let both of you guys go in on this. Was there a player on Vegas tonight that stood out for you? Like I'm talking, yes, there was goals, but did like Riley Smith stand out? Did Carlson stand out? Did Marcia so stand out? Uh, Ryan Reeves obviously didn't. Uh, Robin Leonard, now that they tested him, he didn't look great. I thought the Canucks were all over him. There, To me, there wasn't a guy on Vegas that looked like, he stood out in that game, which is scary if you're Vegas, after, especially after playing such a, an, a dominant game one. Brady, what do you think? Yeah, you're right. I mean, they the Canucks were really good at bouncing, like jumping on the puck. As like they didn't give. It was pretty much you know what Vegas did us in game one. We did it right back to them. You know, matching speed with speed, matching you know pressure on the puck with pressure on the puck. Um, and they didn't give, they didn't give the Vegas golden Knights any time or space. And anytime they got a shot off, they were on that puck and they were, you know, getting it out of the zone and getting it up to their players. So great job by the guys tonight for, you know, keeping their stars at bay. Ted, what did you think about Vegas? Uh, yeah, I feel like you guys are right. I mean, I think they were neutralized for the most part. One guy I did notice was, was, Alec Martinez. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like the guy had maybe a dozen shots and he just couldn't hit the net, but he was constantly open. Like, I don't know how they kept finding him on the right-hand side or the left-hand side there for that one-timer. Um, so, you know, I, I did notice him. And if he, if he connects a little more like he did in the regular season, that could be a real issue for us. So I think watching out for uh, Martinez will be a real problem moving forward, but I still noticed stone, um, you know, just like I noticed O'Reilly, right? I mean, uh, just like you notice a guy like Patrice Bergeron and you're not noticing him you know, 100% of the time uh, offensively, even though he is dangerous, especially down low. Uh, but he's just so disruptive, like uh, constantly breaking up pucks, constantly turning pucks over, uh, you know, and then when he breaks up a play, he usually comes out with the puck too. His board battles and board plays are still really strong. Um, so, you know, I, I do think the effort was way better. I, I think that... Um, you know, this team, this Vegas team still looks like they're owning play for the most part. I think they're carrying play against Vancouver for the most part, but that's how you have to get by against a team like this. You have to capitalize opportunities. And if your goaltender is something that you deem is an advantage, then we have to rely on Markstrom to, to get us through games like this where we can outscore our problems. So, um, but all in all, uh, Guys, the effort was there tonight. I know they were still a bit scrambly in their own zone for some plays, but all in all, the effort was there tonight. And I think they can they can still improve even more, which is you know kind of the exciting part. Yeah, and just to kind of add on to what Ted is saying, I think from what I was saying before, you know, the Canucks did a great job of keeping the puck kind of out of out, but you know, they still the Vegas Golden Knights still had 40 shots on net, and Markstrom played an exceptional game, um, 9.50 save percentage. Only let two goals in on 40 shots. Um, 
so yeah, that's you know, there's that as well. And uh, but like to, to add on to what Ted was saying is, you know, I think we were lucky to get maybe not lucky to get five goals, but the Vegas Golden Knights, like regardless of if we didn't feel like you know their stars were playing great, they still controlled a, a big bigger part of the game. Sure. Um, the Corsi for the Canucks in the first period was they just led by 51%, but that second period uh, was was pretty crazy. Um, Canucks only had an 18, uh, 1837 uh, Corsi four, so 18%, which is brutal. And then they, you know, they crawled back with a 50% in the third period. So uh, Vegas is one of those kind of second period teams with, they got so much speed, they can, you know, cut you off and uh, from getting your changes and, there was also some couple bad calls in that second period by the refs, but absolutely, you know, and all in all, uh, you know, I think the Canucks can still also do a better job of, you know, uh, controlling play a little bit. Yeah, the the penalties I did not love in this game. On, on I I think I can't remember who they had for uh, for the ref in this one, but it was one of the I can't, oh, I can't remember the guy. It was one of the guys that everybody knew was going to give at least the Canucks fits. And I mean, what an absolutely brutal call off the glass. Like everyone and their dog knew that that was a bad call and they stuck with it, Mm -hmm. which I think uh, going forward as the playoffs proceed, that's a guy that isn't going to be proceeding through the playoffs as a referee, which is unfortunate because I mean, it's their, you know, it's their time to shine. You can't make like such an obvious play. And I mean, that's, that's the one that nobody wants to make that call on. But I mean, you can see the deflection right away, and I, I, I didn't love it. Thankfully, they killed it off. I think that was a bonus for Vancouver. Um, I would always rather see if there's a goal that goes in that it's you know a just penalty, but uh, that was definitely something that bugged me. And I mean, there was a few ticky tack calls in there as well, but um, they called a little bit more, I thought, than than I was expecting. You know, considering after game one went. Um, they did call some of the rougher stuff, even though they're kind of, you know, kind of lame penalties, but, uh, Ted, you had a thing to say first. Uh, no, B, go ahead. You had your hand up there, buddy. I just wanted to add, you know, to the, that penalty call. I thought it was pretty brutal that, you know, none of the refs originally called it. Like I get talking about it if, if, if the penalty has been called, Sure. but none of them call it. And they're just kind of going off the reaction of the Vegas golden Knights at that point. And that's bullshit. If you ask me. Um, And the fact that there wasn't a makeup call afterwards as well was, in my opinion, also bullshit. But uh, the Canucks were solid and they they were able to, like, you know, keep that power play, you know, off the score sheet, I think, for the most part. I think they might have scored one late at a six on four, but I could be wrong about that. So, you know, good good for them to, you know, bounce back. But go ahead, Ted. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll I'll come to the aid of the referee a little bit on this one, and and it's not because I think that you know referees get a bad rap or anything like that, but I think the NHL really does the referees a disservice in this in this situation because once they make the call, and and if you look at that play happening in real time, it happens fast, right? Oh yeah. Um, it happens really quick, and it does just graze the glass, but it does. It's very obvious that it hits the grass, the glass, especially on a replay, right? So when you when you force a referee into making a call like that, I agree. If you're not sure, you probably shouldn't call it. But when you force a referee to to make a call like that, and then you don't give him the ability to overturn the call, I think that's where the big amount of horseshit lies, right? That makes the yeah. league look stupid. Um, it it, it could have been really easy to be like 
it was a call, make the call, take one look up at the, 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 the board or see in the replay that it grazed off the glass and say, hey, look, it's very obvious here that touched the glass. Wrong call, boys. Sorry, no penalty. Uh, you know, and then we're not getting into a situation, Brady, where we have to make makeup calls because I think makeup calls are just as shitty. I would just prefer that everybody gets the right call right off the bat. And, and mm-hmm. yeah, I'm like you, I would have preferred a makeup call for sure. Yeah. But uh, I think they just do it. The referees, I think final point on that is just, they just do the referees a disservice by not allowing them to hold the power to correct and make mm-hmm. the correct call. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There should be definitely something in place where, you know, a play like that should be reviewable, uh, especially in a playoff game. I mean, it's pretty ridiculous, but also like, I mean, I think the refereeing was also kind of, not maybe on Vegas's side, but I don't know. I thought the call against JT Miller was also pretty weak. I don't know if you saw it, but it was just like <laughs> a tiny little slash. Like, you know, you get away from more than that in regular season hockey, let alone the playoffs. I don't know how you guys thought about that Even one. Even the Edler cross check too. Yeah, that yeah. that happens sometimes when you know when one team is carrying the play, which Vegas I feel like did for the most part in this game the calls go in that favor, right? So it's usually the other team that's reaching. It's usually the other team that's trying to apply pressure. And that's when those calls happen. Um, and I know that we've been on the other side of those usually, in, and it's usually when we're carrying play, right? So I understand that to a certain part, but, uh, you know, all in all, it's, a, it's I'm sure it's a tough job. Uh, you know, we've had, we've had a referee on this show before to, to tell us that you're just trying to manage the flow of the game and stuff. But um, uh, there is some penalties in there for sure that I thought were a little bit weird. And, um, if we're on that talk and we kind of just segue into the next conversation here, I mean, we can probably talk about uh, late game penalties by, by one Alex Edler as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, I, I think at the end of the day, like, you know, we are talking about a win. But uh, it's something that I think everybody's going to be paying attention to as the series goes on, um, whether it was yeah. the, the hugging penalty from uh, last game or, <laughs> or just some of the stuff that was in this one. I thought uh, they they were bang on on a few calls. I mean, you know, Jake clearly got under, uh, who was it? Uh, was it Tuck's skin there? Oh, yeah. When oh, yeah, definitely. Threw, Jake committed one of his original murders that he used to do. Um, and, you know, he... He ended up drawing a power or drawing a penalty, and he took a little bit himself. But uh, Pacioretty also got a you know he was a little bit riled up. Um, the Canucks did what they need to do, and it wasn't Roussel, which is awesome. But the one guy that I think we need to be talking about, um, it's not Tyler Toffoli, it's not even Quinn Hughes. Petey had himself a game, and he he did all the Petey things. He looked confident. His stat line, um, I'm just going to read it out to you because he had a number in pretty much every single category except the penalties. Um, He had a goal, two assists, plus one, no penalty minutes, as I said. Three shots on goal. He had one hit, and I think we all remember that hit in the corner there where he maintained play. (laughs) He had two block shots. Sadly, he had two giveaways as well. He was even in uh, the faceoff circle you know, just under 17 minutes and he had just over five minutes of power play time. Like that's a stat line for a guy that came ready to play. He looked lost in game one. As I said, I think they just needed that extra little bit of time to prepare for this series. And he looked so comfortable out there. In fact, comfortable is the wrong word. When he scored that goal, he didn't even celebrate. He just skated to the bench, did a few fist bumps, kind of looked down a little bit and then got ready for the next play. And that was such a dirty goal that he didn't even care about. Like, what happens when he... What happens if he scores that breakaway? 
Oh like, man. I, I, I was I was really shocked that he got caught on that breakaway to begin with. Like he was he was so far out ahead and then and then all of a sudden he does like one little toe kick. And I, I don't know who the defender was. And maybe you guys can help me out on that one. The defender was that caught back up to him on that back check. But I thought for sure that he was he was going to do that move. Obviously, he was going to go the old shell move and go backhand, forehand, press, right? But, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's the only thing. And I think we saw, you know, maybe about a, a half a period later, a period later, he got like a bit of a break heading back into the offensive zone and he just absolutely wheeled. It was like, nobody's going to say that I'm slow. Maybe like Greener was like giving him a hard time on the bench or the boys are ribbing him a little bit about getting caught on that breakaway because he turned the motor on and he was giving her. I don't know if you guys know exactly what play yeah, I'm talking yeah, about. I do. He came up yeah, on the bottom side of the Yeah, it was definitely PD doing PD things. Yeah, he looked amazing. It was like, did you see when he looked back to on that breakaway? Like he did the old, oh, yeah. the, the old Usain Bolt. He looked and he, like, oh, oh. And then he gets caught. I'm thinking... Man, he's so confident. He had time and space. I mean, again, he didn't capitalize on it, but he still got a, a you know, I think he got a shot off on though, didn't he? Hey, it's Ryan from the PP1 Podcast on Cryer Media. If you're looking for a spot to advertise your company, your brand, your cheese wheel, some beer, maybe some donuts, this is the spot. Reach out to me via DM on Twitter or Instagram at always94, and I'd be more than happy to chat with you. Worst case scenario, we just become best friends. And how awesome does that sound? I think it was like a little a little bit of like a flip on them. Yeah. It wasn't anything dangerous. But yeah, I guess he counted a shot. But I mean, again, after getting crushed in game one, and he goes in and does a little look back in there, and I'm thinking like, man, if it was you or me or Brady, and you have that same play, you're not looking back. You are hustling your ass to the, the net and hoping that you get a shot on goal. You're not checking to make sure you've got enough time to pull off your signature move. So, yeah. Brady, what did you think about Petey? I thought that like, clearly he was not happy with the performance uh, in game one, and he was going to stop at nothing to get the win tonight. Uh, clearly he had a ton of chemistry with Toffoli and Pearson. Um, and, you know, after that after that breakaway opportunity from the feed from Toffoli, you know, he came in a little slow, like you said, but it was a move that I wasn't really expecting from him. Um, and he kind of, you know, obviously didn't score, but it was good to see it wasn't a breakaway, but he gets, you know, that goal he had, he has the time and he goes right back to his typical shootout move and it worked. So obviously he was like, I messed up on my breakaway. I'm not going to let it happen again. He gets another opportunity and he buries it. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely great performance from Pedersen, and he now has 16 points through, I believe, 13 games, and he's only two behind, you know, Nate McKinnon for the lead. Something I did not expect out of Pedersen in the playoffs. What's the, are you looking at it right now, Brady? What's the stat line on that? How did how's he collecting those 16 points? Yeah, he's now got five goals and 11 assists. Yeah, this is very through, yeah. through 12 games. My my bad. So 16 anybody, points in 12 games. Anybody else feeling this is a very Peter Forsberg esque stat line? I don't know. It's he's reminding me a little bit of Forsberg back in the day, mm-hmm. just taking over games and taking over shifts. Um, but man, this kid is fun to watch, and I feel like we're we're seeing we're seeing the beginnings of another gear from from Dicky Pete. Yeah, and what I. Well, yeah, for sure. But what I also liked about Pedersen is the fact that, you know, we had that terrible Corsi in the second period. Like I said, only 18% Corsi four. Um, but Pedersen was one of two players on the Vancouver Canucks tonight to actually have a Corsi above 50%. So it's good to see him driving the play, even though, you know, we got badly outplayed in that second period. Yeah. Did anybody see this? Uh, 
Sorry, Ryan, I know you're going to talk. Did anybody see this from the last game? Somebody posted the Corsi for Roussel, and it was like 75% just prior to getting tossed, and and Reeves was like something like 25.6% or something. Did you guys see yeah, that? It was, yeah, really? I saw that. It was it was pretty brutal. It actually went to show that you know Roussel was chipping in offensively a little bit as well as getting under the skin of you know Ryan Reeves. But it was good to also see that you know we didn't get to see that again tonight. You know, we, we put that aside, and we just went out and – you know, went to work and we didn't really care what Reeves thought or what he did out there. We made yeah. sure he was a fourth line player and we, we talked about him like a fourth line player. Were any of you yeah. guys wondering if the sword was going to get pulled out tonight? Uh, I did see your tweet on that, Ryan. So that was really, uh, that's, that was that's... very timely, very, uh, very conscious and very, uh, very well-placed tweet. So, uh, I don't know exactly how it works or something like that. It was, it was, I think three fairly quick ones on letter. And uh, it was something about DeBoer begins to pull the sword, which I thought was so smart. So, yeah, kudos to you on that one. I think you got a little bit of traction on that one. Nice work. It was, uh, I mean, I think, and we have to talk about this too, especially for game three. If there is any chance that you see Marc-Andre Fleury in this series, I am going to bring it right back to that blue series. If you're seeing both goaltenders, you've already hit a nerve. And every, mm-hmm. every advantage you can get is monumental. And if it's that one little thing, like Fleury's a good goaltender and he's a good playoff goaltender. So, I mean, we're not going to discount that. But as soon as you show any bit of weakness thinking, maybe I need to adjust my goaltending. And I don't think Leonard was that bad. But, I mean, you let in goals and the team in front of him, same as like Markey. Markey wasn't bad in the first game. You know, nobody in front of him helped him out. So, I think if they do go to Fleury in game three – that, that, to me, is exciting as a Canucks fan. But, uh, Brady, you had a little uh, note in our rundown here. Um, there's some guy that was rocking the sea that you're impressed with. Yeah, the captain, Bo Horvat. I mean, he didn't have three points, like either Toffoli or, or Pedersen. But, you know, he was kind of like the Nicholas Backstrom of the game tonight, you know. Um, in the other, other players' shadow, but, you know, really driving the team to get the win. Um, he was an absolute beast on the face-off circle 80 percent wins you know we went uh, 20 wins five losses or t- sorry 20 wins four losses um and he got two uh five shots on net it was great in the defensive end and he potted two goals and he now leads the league leads the playoffs in goals for that sick pass by besser too for that goal oh my god oh it's filthy oh, it's filthy nice. just i could watch that all night long and that you know what besser uh Besser had himself a pretty decent game. It wasn't uh, wasn't a superstar type game, but it was one of those two hundred foot games that I thought he played really well. He played, I thought, well on his own end as well. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, kudos to to Brock, uh, my prince. Uh, but um, I, did you guys notice after game one, um, you know, the way they basically got run out of the building and how you know they were trying to stir some stuff up? It was almost like it was almost like watching the Eden Hall Ducks. Um, you know, they're all in the same hotel and, you know, they had the ants thing and they got them all riled up and they met 6am to the next thing. The Canucks get absolutely pounded in game one, but this felt like one of those games where, you know, they show up and, you know, their scholarships are on the line and, uh, the, the Canucks go all Eden Hall ducks on, on the Vegas Golden Knights. And they showed them that, uh, they're, they're just as good as, as the varsity team and, uh, they deserve to be on the same ice. Love it. That's a great reference. I don't know. 
sometimes I wonder who's going to get that reference. But uh, man, I, I don't. don't I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, that's a Mighty Ducks reference. D3. Brady, I don't know if you ever watched Mighty Ducks, but maybe that, I watched that Mighty might be... Ducks, but I didn't. I didn't understand the that's, Eden Hall. That's Eden not... Hall is Mighty Ducks three. So you, I don't know if you watched. Oh, that. that's that was that's the worst one. No, I'm all about D two. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm not going to disagree. Gunner Stall. I'm not going to disagree with yeah. you. I'm just saying that. Go shake wrong. their hands. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway. Yeah, nice work on that one. I, I yeah. Guys, Bo is 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 he appears. I mean, I, don't, I haven't seen the numbers obviously from this game, but he appears to be driving play, right? I mean, he's he's going wide on defenders, driving to the net, and then and then basically pulling guys in with him before he pops up and then pushes the puck back to the point. Um, you know, almost every time, right? So when you're driving and you're pulling a defender that far into you, you're 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 just making that much more of a, an open. Uh, like an open frame for everybody to fall into, right? And we talk about how good uh, of a defending team and how aggressive of a team uh, Vegas is. And that's because they come at you in like, you know, almost like this mob mentality. So when when Bo's doing that and pulling a guy away from the mob, that separates things, right? So, uh, you know, he's doing a great job. And, and Brady, you, you twigged on the faceoff stat line. I'm, I'm That's like, I'm, I'm so impressed. I had no idea that he only lost four draws on the night out of like 24 draws. So we knew going in that face-offs were going to be a distinct advantage of this team. And we're going to absolutely have to take advantage of that, especially for draws in the offensive zone. So good pull on that one. Yeah. Yeah. I was watching the, uh, you guys were giving me a little bit of flack for catching up on the post game report on Sportsnet, but I, uh, I pulled that stat from Berkey. So there you go. There you Berkey go. Berkey knows. So, Berkey knows. so let's get into, uh, Let's get into some fun stuff, uh, boys. Who was we got to? We'll start with the bad stuff. Brady, who was your guy for the game tonight? Oh man, I haven't even really thought about it. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know right now. Um, yeah. I was I was happy with the team, honestly. So of course we were. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, guys. You go ahead. Ted. Uh, yeah, like obviously I'm with Brady. Like the the you know I'm I'm happy with the team. It's tough to pick up out any anybody's game if you're talking about you know a big team win, a big team effort mm-hmm. on this. Late one. breaking news. Late about- breaking news. We are not doing a guy. Brady, who's your dude? Ah <laughs> uh, man, even even more difficult because there's so many good players to pull from, right? Uh, lots one. of good games by a lot of players. But if I had to pick one. Um, I got to go with Tyler Toffoli just for, you know, immediately making an impact nine seconds. That's all it took. And then he adds two really nice assists about 14 minutes of ice time. Um, you can't ask for, you literally can't ask for anything more from Tyler Toffoli. He's back and he completes the top six. And now we're, now we got a serious, uh, playoff series. And I think the Canucks are, are in it for the long haul. Ted. Thanks to Tyler DeFoley and, you know, the rest of the team. Ted, I'm going to give this next one to you, and I pray that you do not take my guy, my dude. <laughs> okay, I also had a guy on this one, if we're going to name a you, single guy. Go for it. Uh, I'm going to take Adam Gaudet on this one, and it's not because he was playing bad, but I just think that him and, and Vertanen are fairly marginalized in their roles, only playing like about nine or ten minutes a game. So what impact can you make when you're only playing ten minutes? Well, I did notice Jake out there on a couple of events. Um, and Godet did look like he was skating, but I didn't quite see, you know, 
enough out of him to feel like he was doing anything super impactful on the game. So I would like to see those guys possibly do a little bit more with the ice time that they're given to probably just gain a little bit more time. So it's a, it's, it's a weak pick because it's not that he had a bad outing, but if I'm going to pick a guy, it's Adam Gaudet. And who's your dude? Uh, And my dude, this might be a weird pick for everybody, but I'm going to take old man horse, Alex Edler. Um, I like it. I like it. Yeah, man. The guy was a plus four tonight. He played important minutes, you know, 24 of them to be exact, 24-41 on the game. Uh, had two assists. He looked solid out there on the second power play unit. Uh, but he was laying the absolute wood to Vegas forwards late in this game anytime they went near Markstrom. So I know that we chastised Miller, or not Miller, sorry, Myers for for similar things. Uh, but but some of that has to do with the fact that there's a bit of a, an agenda out for Myers, which we kind of identified in the earlier series. Um, and there's not for, for Edler as much. He can get away with some of that stuff being a veteran in this league for as long as he has been. Uh, but he was kind of Mr. Everything for Vancouver tonight. And, and uh, if I'm going to take somebody, I like that plus four uh, and his overall game in those big, important minutes. So uh, my due to the week, or due to the game, rather, is uh, former Kelowna Rocket Alex Edler. I love that pick. You're right. He was all over the place tonight. And they're, they're block shots and... I think they're just takeaways from a lot of those opportunities. Vegas, Vegas had a lot of chance to to get the puck in closer, and every time, I mean, Edler definitely kind of led that charge. But I thought that even Stetcher and a bunch of the other guys were really in on it. So defensively, yeah. defensively, this was an awesome, awesome game to watch if you're a Canucks fan. My dude is, and I mean, I said it right from the first period. If you're, I had probably three tweets during this game. Um, it has to be Elias Pettersson. He had a monster game. He showed up. It wasn't his best game that he's played, but it was probably one of the more important games that he's played in his very, very young career. Um, like I said, the confidence that he showed tonight was just absolutely bonkers. He had that breakaway, which I think we were all hoping he was going to score. The, when he looked back, the only thing I could think of was Usain Bolt. And Usain Bolt... <laughs> And Usain Bolt is an absolute beast in the track world. He is the goat when it comes to running. Um, Petey obviously had that charge down low where he put on the wheels and made it made a move. Um, he also had that massive hit in the corner and still managed to keep the play in the zone. Um, overall, I, again, and he had the stat line to prove it as well. So I think for Pedersen to be on the ice, and I think that confidence came too with having to Foley and Pearson on his line tonight. I thought they... They thought the game like he was thinking, and we talked about this a few times already with Jake and you know a few other players. They knew what to expect being on a line with Pedersen, and I think everyone showed up on that one. So, um, you know, definitely uh, Petey would be my dude. Um, one more guy that we should all talk about, um, and maybe maybe it's you know due to you know the Canucks basically reversing the script tonight. Did you notice all the shots um, that Vegas had were like low and outside on Markstrom when they were clean? Oh, Ted's on mute. He's talking into the air. Brady, did you notice? <laughs> Honestly, not not exactly. Um, I didn't, to be honest with you. So, <laughs> well, tell me what you saw. Well, I get, like I said, basically exactly that. I, Any time that Vegas had a clean shot, it seemed like it was low and outside, and it was like an easy, Mm -hmm. easy trapper save for Markstrom along the ice. It felt like they just weren't getting pressure right up next to those high danger Corsi events. You know, I I could go and look at the stats right now, and I'm sure they're pretty decent for Vegas, but they didn't capitalize Mm -hmm. on any of them. Ted, did you notice that? 
I had a hard time picking up on that. I think I did notice some sort of low and away shots to that trapper side. And I don't know if it was maybe then just trying to go high trapper where I think scouting reports have been a little bit nasty to Markstrom in the past. Um, but part of that might have been because they had like 98 shot attempts in this game. So uh, this team shoots a lot. And I think uh, with the depth that this team has right now, we're, li- we're relying on this, this bottom six to help us carry through. Um, I say us like I'm on this team, but to help the Vancouver Canucks carry through, obviously we need to play with this defensive, you know, this team defense mentality, right? And so uh, I don't know how many shots do you guys have the stat right now? How many shots overall Vegas had? 40 shots. 40 shots. So that's a lot of block shots. That's a lot of shots deflected, a lot of shots uh, pushed wide, almost 60 or over 60 of them. So uh, if you're going to take up shooting lanes, I mean, who knows if this team isn't playing solid team defense, how many shots, 40 shots turns into. So uh, we probably have to go back to that stat line from last game to see a a bad team defensive outing. But uh, you know, to, to, to talk about your point again, Ryan, with those shots, maybe, maybe that's the scouting report. They think there's something there with Marky low and outside. So, uh, we'll see how that develops over the next couple of games or so, but, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be keeping a close eye out on that one. I just wanted to add to that, that it's pretty crazy that, you know, I felt like the Canucks gave it their absolute best tonight and, you know, we still get faced with that many shots from Vegas. Um, like you said, 40 shots on net when we're absolutely, you know, feeding it back to them the other way and we're only getting 31. So it's going to be that mentality and that that speed and quickness. And it's going to have to continue for the Canucks all the way through if they're going to want to win this series. Totally. Quick point. I had a question for you guys. Did you feel um, at any point, even though I feel like we had the St. Louis series in hand from like a wins perspective, obviously, right? And other than that last game, did you guys feel at all like we were dominating games versus no. St. Louis or did it feel like they were pretty much owning the owning the stat line and owning the control of play? Uh, and I never once personally felt like they were out of it. Do you guys get that feeling from the St. Louis series? Do you get that feeling kind of for what's going on in Vegas? And do you think that we can continue like that? Yeah, I think uh, I think we've said this even last game after they lost, but you have to respect the Golden Knights. I mean, it's exciting. They have a win. But, you know, the shots prove it, um, you know, carrying play, definitely, uh, you know, the, the Canucks were, they weren't on their heels, but they were definitely making sure that the puck wasn't uh, staying in their zone. Um, they definitely made the most of the chances that they had on the other end of the ice. But, you know, especially on the power plays, they noticed that, you know, Vegas was all over them. And it was, you know, thankfully, Vancouver has a wicked penalty kill and a goaltender that can finish it off. But my goodness. I mean, all it takes is one thing to go right for Vegas. And I mean, the floodgates could absolutely open up. So this this is definitely a series and it's nice that it's evened up this early. But uh, going down 2-0 to Vegas, even if it was as, you know, as far as the play went, if this if they all of a sudden come back and let's say win in overtime and they get a nice little streak to end the third period. I mean, yeah, I'd be scared. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, I felt that way too, Ted. Um it's like with St. Louis, I felt like they controlled a lot of the play. They're the bigger, batter team, and we were chasing them around a lot. And, you know, the same thing against Vegas. Uh, they're bigger. They're faster. But what I'm noticing in both series is, like, they're getting – other teams are getting more shots. They're getting – you know, they're getting on top of Markstrom more. But we're getting better quality shots from our star players. And they're they're capitalizing and finishing timely, really timely, and the power play is clicking. So – 
and we've we've uh we're kind of relied on that all season long that's our bread and butter so it, it should continue to happen if the canucks are going to win so great to see it you guys great to see it for sure well i think we're about ready we could probably talk for another hour but you know we all have bedtimes too so it's easy to talk on wind night oh it's a beautiful feeling so you guys uh this has been a lot of fun thanks for coming on um brady you had one more thing you want to say yeah i just want to say that it's it's awesome being a canucks fan right now and watching these playoff games i am over the moon with this hockey team and i'm just i'm so satisfied with the hard work from the players and they're making it really fun to be a fan and I'm just, I'm so stoked to be watching Canucks hockey. I, I never would have expected them to get, you know, this far past the champs. And now they're, they're making a run against one of the best teams in the league. So they're completely, the uh, completely, you know, surpassing my expectations, a lot of expectations. And this young core and this supporting cast is really putting Vancouver Canucks on the map. For sure. Well, on behalf of Ted um, and the resident dad of the Canucks, Brady, um, he's always making sure his boys feel feel good on the inside. Uh, I'm Ryan. This is the PP1 podcast. This is another Canucks post-game win recap. And hopefully we'll be chatting with you guys soon. Peace out. Hey, I'm a, lo- I'm a loving dad. You okay? Are. You are. Good night. Hi, I'm Matt Kundal, host of the Sound Off podcast, the podcast about broadcast. Every week since 2016, we've been bringing on broadcast leaders to talk about their experiences in radio, what they've seen, and where they believe it is all going. If you live and love radio, subscribe to the Sound Off Podcast with Matt Kundal wherever you get your podcasts. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.